Good morning. It is Danger Dan here in the talk shop. Got a bitchin' show for you today with Patrick Garvin of JP Cycles. Patrick lives in Sturgis year-round. That's right, year-round, and gets to enjoy the roads, the paved and unpaved roads of the Black Hills. Well, I guess he doesn't really get to enjoy them through the winter, but one of my favorite things now about going to Sturgis is getting to ride with Patrick and shooting the shit on and off the microphone. He works for JP Cycles and creates all their video content. And if you look up JP Cycles YouTube channel, you can find install videos, DIY motorcycle upgrades. He is now building a Nitro Sportster. They give away shit on their channel. <clears throat> and he and his friend create it all. So check him out. Uh, and we'll get into the podcast now. Shall not hassle. Thank you, Zach from Heavy. Make sure you check out Heavy Clothing and heavy.bigcartel.com. And they have an event coming up, the Full Tilt Boogie, which is September 11th, only a couple of weekends away in Monticello, Minnesota. Now, speaking of events, there's an event coming up this weekend in Durango, Colorado, the Four Corners Motorcycle Rally. Check out the Back 40 where my buddies will be throwing a party. Dude, they got a sweet spot. You can camp for $25, which will also enter you in the drawing for a fucking Sportster Buell Chopper. With like a hundred fucking horsepower. They're also going to give away a one-year subscription to MC Shop Tees. Uh, dude, the address to get to the event space is going to be 6203 Highway 151, Ignacio, Colorado, 81137. Look up White Buffalo on the gram or One Truck Nuck or Crazy Jare. You can find more details for that event. Biltwell's doing a chopper show. The Wheelie Pig's doing a hill climb at the Purgatory Ski Mountain, which is one of my favorite things I've ever done was ride my Sportster up that hill. Wheelie has entered his panhead to ride up the hill. Dude, it's going to be a hell of a time. Do not fucking miss out. Uh, if you haven't been paying attention, Born Free happened this weekend. And Cliff won the motherfucking People's Champ, dude. 
What a badass motherfucker with a solid group of friends. I mean, I imagine that the party that happened after they gave him a fucking giant $10,000 check. Dude, I'm surprised he texted me two days later. Like, I, I really am. And it's funny, I sent Cliff a congratula- congratulations text before he won, mainly just because, you know, he completed it. He rode his bike, dude, the front end, like, I don't know, something happened. A spring shot through the front end and busted him in the teeth. He's trying to get a grill like mine. But, uh, you know, I was just congratulating him on finishing it. I know that there was a lot that went into making that happen. And, uh, you know, the cherry on top was to get recognized uh, for everything that him and his buddies did. So it's rad. Super stoked for you. Stoked for all the guys that competed and made the ride. I mean, you guys all killed it. Sweet bikes, rode them. I mean, that's a big thing. It's rad. Congratulations. Uh, Dude, I, I assume some other people won some shit at Born Free. It looked like it was a great weekend, a great turnout. <clears throat> I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. I, I wish I would have been there. Fuck, it looked like fun. It's all right. I got shit going on, you know. Family first, fun second, safety third. So that's how I'm living. Now, September 18th, Junction City Chopper Show, Ogden's first vintage chopper show. Follow Junction City Chopper Show for more information. October 3rd is going to be the Southern Throwdown at Yellow Rose Canyon. The outbound train will be performing. Oh, and the weekend before that, September 25th and 26th, or maybe it's just one of those days, is the Nitty Gritty Chopper City in Houston, Texas. Follow Nitty Gritty Chopper City for more information. FTW, Knives Made by Nick, will be playing. The Outbound Train will be playing. Dude, I'm stoked to go there. I'm going to go pick up my family and then go out to Yellow Rose Canyon early and get the fucking trail system dialed, bringing the dirt bikes out. I'm stoked. Hopefully, I'll have that. No, I will. I'll have the giveaway motor that we're going to give away at the end of this year. It's going to be sick. Make sure you are there. October 9th. 8th and 9th is the Virginia City Rodeo and Motorcycle Show. Virginia City Roundup, presented to you by Chopper's Magazine. I seen that he had the fucking magazine with the Desperado Run article I did at Born Free this weekend. My buddy Thomas of One Feather Press. If you need bandanas, that's the guy. Look up One Feather Press. He does badass shit. But he sent me a picture of the article. I was like, oh, fuck, it's real. I read the first paragraph, and I was like, fuck, it's out there. It's too late. Can't fix it now. You know, start second-guessing everything I wrote down. But I hope everybody who's read it and will read it enjoys it, and there's more to come. I'm working on another one already. And when I say I'm working on another one, I mean... I'm thinking about how I need to be working on the next one. <laughs> Fucking goddamn, I got deadlines in my life. More of them. October 16th is going to be the Rat Rodtober at Tufts Brewery in McKinney, Texas, put on by two of the best 
fucking people on the planet, Natalia and Jake from Brown Cycles. Do not miss that event if you are in the area. And then November 11th is Fuel Cleveland, presented to you by Lowbrow Customs, Forever the Chaos Life, and the Gas Box. And speaking of Lowbrow Customs, we are going to give away a $100 gift card on this show momentarily after I tell you how badass lowbrow customs is dude I talked to Tyler you know he goes to the salt every year like that's what he does he like I mean the rest of the year he's fucking sending chopper parts to all you beautiful people across this planet and then he's working on his race bike to get ready for the salt because he's got one week every year where you know Time fucking matters, dude. He told me that he stepped off his new bike at like a hundred and fucking fifty miles an hour or something insane like that. Uh, and he's okay. The bike's okay. Like, what a fucking magician that guy is, dude. And uh, it's awesome to work with those dudes that you know they get it. They fucking get it at Lowbrow Customs. Make sure that if you need something for your bike, the first stop is lowbrowcustoms.com. See if they've got it. It'll show up to your door faster than Amazon fucking Prime. I am not shitting you. Now, from what I'm experiencing, everybody's missing shit. So I don't know. what I haven't even ordered anything recently from them. I'm so bummed because my fucking chopper is just down right now. And uh, I'm away from my shop. But you better believe I will be ordering some shit soon. Anyhow, uh, if you want to win a $100 gift card that I give away every month, you got to go to DangerDanceTalkShop.com. There is a Patreon tab. Click on that. Sign up. Five bucks a month gets you entered to win. Not only do I give away a $100 gift card every month, I've got some big giveaways coming up at the end of this year. We're going to give away a shovel head motor that my boys in Louisiana built at B&B Racing. And speaking of Louisiana, they just got fucking hammered with that hurricane. And I don't think that, you know, I'm not sure what the damage was. The one thing I did notice is that they're not going to have power for a long time. Uh, their, their main generator, not generator, but power hub or some shit like fell in a fucking river, dude. So... I'll be reaching out to Billy today and my other peeps in Louisiana to, you know, see what we can do to help. Uh, that's uh, not good. They're going to need candles. They're going to need lots of fucking candles over there. So keep New Orleans in your thoughts because they just got hammered, dude. But we've got that shovel head motor to give away. Chemical Candy Customs is going to do a flame job on a Sportster tank I got from Lowbrow Customs. Gonna give that away, dude. Tattoo Troubadour just sent me pictures of this sign he made. Fuck, I do not want to give it away. It is bad as fuck, dude. Uh, it's a danger zone sign that you can hang up in your shop. But the only way to win all this is DangerDanceTalkShop.com. Look at the Patreon tab. And, uh, dude, that's it. Sign up. Five bucks a month, dude. That's like literally buying me a beer or a coffee once a month. That's You do that for your boys, right? I mean, I don't think it's too much to ask, and especially to have a chance of winning shit. And when you go to the Patreon link, 
It doesn't say anything about the giveaways on there because they won't let me do that. Uh, I don't know if it's illegal or if they just don't want people to do that. Anyways, that's where I get the names that I draw from. Like right now, we're going to count to 10. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We got number 62. 62, you just won a $100 gift card to Lowbrow Customs. And that is Ben Goucher. Ben Goucher out of Maryland, Mount Airy, Maryland, dude. Thank you for supporting the show. I mean, it's fucking awesome. Looks like you've been doing it for a while now. Ben, Ben Goucher. Man, never even heard that name before. Dude, thank you. Thank you, Ben. And thank you, Lowbrow Customs. I will send your name and information. Looks like you've got it all on here, so you're just going to get a package from them in the mail, dude. Thank you. Go to DangerDanceTalkShop.com. Sign up now. Uh, check out the videos that today's guest, Patrick Garvin, has put up on JP Cycles. He's got a series. You know, he puts out videos weekly or monthly or fuck. I don't remember, but you're going to enjoy this podcast. Here we go. Hold on, hold on. Before we go any further, yeah. is there anything? There's a... Wait a second. This is how little I've been doing my podcast lately. There's a chance nobody hears this. Okay. There's a chance a lot of people hear this. Right. Is there anything you don't want to talk about? And is there anything you want to make sure we do talk about? I don't care what we talk about, except I'm probably going to stay away from any kind of like woke political stuff. Maybe. You don't want to talk about... Yeah, no, I'll talk about Gender it. identity. <laughs> Yeah, you can ask me what my identity is. I would love to tell you my gender identity. I've already made an assumption, and I'm sticking to it. Just because you think it might be different, I, you know, I'm just not going to acknowledge that truth. Hey. Well, Dan, I'm a unicorn. Thank you for helping me uh, get my tire on. Oh, no. I, I, how, how weird and like kind of oddly hypocritical would it have been for me not to help you? Like, I'm the guy on YouTube that... Works on motorcycles. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, yeah, you're right. You're right. And I wanted to do it. It wasn't just because I felt I had a responsibility. Well, we learned that. something, too. We did. You know? Almost the very hard way. Oh, yeah. I mean, I almost got it once, and then you yep. jumped in there, and I wasn't about to, like, not let you jump in there. But, yeah, get you some of that. See if yeah. I did it wrong. Because I, I honestly thought, well, maybe I didn't have it hooked up. I didn't have those, No, yeah. You know, the, but then I saw it the first time you put that rim in there. I looked down and it was yeah, it's all not holding it. The, the, the big, the big beefy Pan America. Those rims are serious, huh? Yeah, I need to be from the looks of how many rocks bounce off the side of yours. It's a good thing they're as thick as they are on there. Dude, I took like a fucking baseball sized rock to the chest, and then one to the helmet from you today. I, I can relate. When we had the ADV event out here, uh, I was following a guy, and I swear it probably wasn't this big. But it looked like a football-sized rock flying at my head. It was probably about the size of a baseball. Uh, Hot Rod today said I hit him with a softball and about knocked the wind out of him. Oh, yeah. Fuck. Yeah, man. So you got to be careful about... Even... You think you're not... You know, I'm not that close. They go a long way. They go a long... Well, because you're both going forward. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. It's, that gravel road was... You were throwing some shit. 
And I had a fresh tire on. If I had my old beat up tire, I probably wouldn't hit you as much. With See, and that's why I was shocked when Hot Rod told me that. I'm like, how could this slick mm -hmm. throw a freaking softball? Well, you got every minute and meter of distance out of that tire. I was really thinking about just going, keeping, just leaving it. <laughs> I mean, I, I came here early. I, I shut down my uh, BDR trip a little yeah. early, but that was one of the excuses I gave myself right. to not finish it. Like, oh, I need to go to Sturgis and get a tire. Yeah. And then I get to Sturgis, and I'm like, fucking Main Street oh. tire? When Sasha didn't have a tire machine, I was like, all right, well, then I'm just, yeah. you know, I'll just see what happens. Dude, we got, you got all the juice out of that tire. Yeah. Some people leave a little, little on there. You didn't leave none. We got... I mean, that's, I'm, that's pretty consistent. Yeah. What's funny is people thought that I was going to treat this bike differently than my chopper. <laughs> I think it, I mean, like, I think you treat it worse. And it's, <laughs> well, you should. <laughs> I did. I have been. It's, well, I mean, uh, you're supposed to deal with it. But, yeah, 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 you would not want to bring your chopper to where we were today. Oh, was, absolutely yeah. not. Man, that one little section, I, I thought I was a goner over the handlebars. Yeah. I was, I had, yeah, I was way, way over the front. Hanging on. What did you think when when uh, when you got to ride the Pan America? Like that was the first time for you to take it off road in the dirt. Yeah. I mean, you've been ridden it probably like most people, where they do the demo ride, they're on the street. Yeah, it's on the street. Yep. Flip it through the mode. You see, it's got power. Mm -hmm. But you know. So it was weird because I jumped off my like enduro bike onto that big bike. That was such a transition for me. It was. Yeah. It was weird, and then it was. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't um, I wasn't as nearly as confident on it as I should have been. It was it was way better than I was giving it credit for. You know what I mean? So I was kind of like taking it easy and slow, and it was big, and it was eating up. I at first I felt like I didn't have a lot of feel, but it was just eating up a lot of stuff like that I I didn't even notice. I've ridden that trail before, obviously. Yeah. And so it it felt kind of weird at first. It just took me a second to kind of like believe in it, but it'll go wherever you want it to go. It wasn't an issue at all, and it was pretty comfortable doing it, to be honest with you. It didn't beat you to death at all. You were on my little 450. Like, it, it beat you up. Yeah, going yeah. from the that dirt bike to the, yeah, that's a. Yeah, so it was uh, way more planted than I thought. I didn't really get a chance, you know, because we were on loose stuff. I didn't really get a chance to kind of feel how, like, you know, the brute force of that engine. Well, the tire wasn't going to yeah. give you a good. But it felt like you could lug it, point it in a direction, and just twist the throttle, and it'll just kind of... It does. It'll just it's like go. tractor. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd like to spend some more time on it. I'm not, I haven't been a huge adventure touring guy, but that thing uh, is definitely piqued my interest. Yeah. You said you leave the ABS on. I turned it off just because I felt I'm heavy on the rear brake in the dirt. Yeah. And I didn't feel like I had enough rear brake, so I wanted to turn it off. But. That's how I started riding it. Okay. And then... Riding the mountains in New Mexico, trail riding, getting comfortable, riding them multiple times. Like, oh, let me let me play with it. Yeah. So, and this was literally like halfway down the mountain on a trail. I pull over and just turn it, or don't turn it. When I turned the bike back on, I didn't turn because you got to turn it off every yep. time. So I just didn't do it. You know, and I'm I would I don't know I didn't really notice much at first. I wasn't sliding when I wanted mm -hmm. to. And then I came up to a left-hand turn, like a blind turn, can't see what's coming, and there's just a cliff. And I came in way hot, and mm. 
What happened was is I started jumping it, and there was a spot up ahead where, oh, I'm going to send it. There's enough room to land. I wasn't thinking about run out when yeah. I jump it and have all that speed when I land. So then I just slam on the brakes, and instead of sliding, it just gripped up and turned, just made the turn. Like I was just like, you know, clean my pants out. <laughs> okay, there's something here. Like that's like, what did I couldn't have done that. Like, I wouldn't have been able to feather the brake <laughs> and make that turn if the anti-lock brake wasn't yeah. on. So ever since then, I've just been leaving it on and trying to get used to it yeah, and it figure works. out how to yeah. use it. You mentioned jumping it. We, there was a couple little, like, kind of washouts that I hit. It felt like, actually, the bike jumped really good because it saw, it felt, the suspension felt plush. So when you went to the face of that little jump, it just kind of squatted and then just popped itself right off the top. It was oh, like it does real well. It didn't feel like it was like no big deal at all. It felt really easy to jump. It is. It it really easy. You can go really far. <laughs> I've got like before this morning when me and Hot Rod were riding, there was a couple spots on that Boneyard Canyon or whatever yeah. it was. Dude, some serious little launch pads going down a hill, and one of them I did it last year on my Sportster, same exact spot. Just missed the whole down surface and the flat bottom. Flat. Mm. I've bottomed that thing out multiple times now where my feet scrape the ground. <laughs> <laughs> like in the gravel, I feel my feet scrape. I thought, well, you're using all the suspension. All of it. Like so of it. you rode a little bit with me last year out here, and then we rode a little bit this year. But I mean, man, there is a ton of stuff to ride yeah. out here. We hit some fun stuff today. That little track that we ran was. Was pretty fun. It seemed like we did a couple of new things, a couple of the we same did. things. Yep. Uh, or a couple. We did. There was one spot that was new for sure. Yep. Because I don't remember those bridges or nope. that concrete little. That was all new. Yep. What is that shit? What was that? That's just to keep the area from washing out. Okay. So they basically just like put wet concrete in there and lay like a mesh over it and pull it off. So the water like disperses through there, but it doesn't cut a groove to keep from cutting a trench in the middle of that trail. Gotcha. But it. Messes with your tires when you go through it. It felt really weird. It felt like you're gonna fall down. Well, yeah. it, it was kind of like what happened when my tire finally went flat. That's what it felt like. <laughs> Which wasn't too much longer after that. No, it was weird. It it it, it went flat, but then we found the air pump pretty quick. Quick, and it actually, I thought it was gonna go flat again before we got back to town. But it well, it was at eight. It held in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it made it. Was I think it was at eight. 11? Hell, I don't know. That little rocky climb to get back out of Galena. That, and I had plenty of air, but I was still babying it yeah. for some reason, I guess. I knew you didn't I'm, have any lugs left on that tire, so I wondered if it was going to get up there all right. Oh, it, yeah, it was fine. Yeah. But I went in at too slow to begin with. And yeah. I run down that on my Supermoto. With street I cars. was thinking about that on the Supermoto. Like. But that bike's also light. So, like, super light. You're yeah. not, when you hit one of those rocks, it, you know, it eats it up. Yeah, you know, well, you're not. and I know how far I have to go, and I'm just using it as a connector from trail to trail. And so I ride the side of that. That trail is kind of wide, and it's kind of yeah. tapered on the side. So I put that little bike up on the side of the taper mm -hmm. and kind of ride down the edge of the rocks just to get where I have to go. Dude, seeing you ride my bike, how close those bags came to hitting trees. I didn't even think about that. I could tell. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> that was almost the podcast equipment. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't even think about it. Not even one time. Oh, I'm glad I didn't. It was so close. Well, well, like, where we were at was a pretty tight section of trees. Yeah, I yeah. saw. Yeah, I never Real tight about, with that big bike. I never even thought about it. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I know right where there's that one little chicane yeah. where he went through, and that's where I normally 
check up pretty good on my 450 to make sure I don't eat a tree. And I went through there, and I was like, oh, I went through pretty good. I never think about having bags on it. But I, that, and what I was getting at is when I ride it and think about the bags, making those tight turns, I have to be, like, dragging bags on trees, on the side sure. of the trail. Yep. And it hasn't, uh, I just haven't felt it. I'm just waiting for it to grab something. You know, because those are connected pretty good. You know, they're straps, but they're, something's going to give. Yeah. We're not going to give, and I'm going to go. So I'm, not, I'm, yeah, I'm fairly new to adventure touring world, but, like, I have read and watched the discussions between soft bags and hard bags. Okay. So many people have been asking me, and I'm just like, well, because Harleys deserve saddlebags. You know, not hard. I don't have a good argument, except for I think that they'll last longer. Well, I mean, the, what, the, what you, the big, like, aluminum GB style bags, yeah. I've used those on some other bikes. On-road, those things are awesome, dude. Yeah. Yeah, because they, you can fit so much in them. They come off really, really fast. So, Access them really, really yep, easy. That's all great. Um, I think in the woods they're going to be problematic uh, for a couple reasons. I read a thing or watched a thing that when you, if the bike falls on you, mm-hmm. if you have a soft bag, it's less likely to hurt you. If you got that big giant chunk of aluminum full of stuff, it falls over, your leg gets caught underneath of it. It's hard to get your leg off underneath of it. But just talking about what we're talking about, if you clip a tree on the flat face, one of those, damn, one of those big aluminum bags. Mm-hmm. That's probably gonna stop you dead. You know, what I mean, if you hit a tree on the front of a level, oh bag, yeah, then it's gonna spin you around or something. Or it's just gonna break off. Yeah. Whereas the soft bag, you got a chance. Yeah. Yeah. You got a chance. That makes me think that the soft bag might be the way to go. I think so, because like I've dumped the bike multiple times. Sure. Yeah. You know, and the bags are fine. Those other ones would at least be dented with rocks or. Yeah, we were on the BDR, the Colorado BDR last year. I rode down to meet Zach and uh, another guy from work, Zach and Sean. Well, Sean was over there. Yeah. <clears throat> they were coming up from Dallas. <laughs> I took a bone stock FTR down there with FTR, flat track tires on it, mm-hmm. and we ran part of the BDR. They were on a Triumph Tiger and a BMW F850GS. And... I got there like a day or two earlier and was running around down there and took us down a trail we should not have gone down when they got there. And because? Then, <clears throat> well, it was a super big rocky climb, but I was like, look, I would kind of went up there the day before, but I was like, if we can make it up there, we'll probably be fine. And then everything's all good. Well, we made it up and then the trail dead ended. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So we had to go back down. And it was one of those real steep, just like big baby head rock and dirt, like kind of mix. Yeah. And I'm like, they were, I could tell they were not happy with me about bringing them up there. And so I'm like, I'll go first. And it was one of those deals where once you get going, you get hit the right spot and then just, you got to bomb it. You, you know what go. I mean? You can't yeah. like mess around. So like I bombed it and get down there. Was Zach, one side like a cliff? No. Or no, okay. no, it was, if you fall, you're not going to die, but it ain't going to no. be fun. Cause it's just so steep down, you know? Yeah. And there was like a kind of a wall on one side of it. Well, Zach, got, I think he was trying to change lines going down there, and he fell. He had those metal bags on then. Now that we're talking about it, his leg did get stuck underneath the bike. Yeah. Because I had to run back up the hill. Sean was at the top with his bike. I ran back up the hill to help him get the bike off, and I thought I was going to die because it was 9,000 feet. Yeah. And we had to run back up a hill to get him with, like, motocross boots on. But yeah, that's yeah. His leg was pinned underneath there. Well, I think that uh, those hard bags might protect your bike more. Yeah. When it falls, mm-hmm. probably. But 
But they like they held up good. Like they got a little scratched up, but they were all right. Yeah. Yeah, the, the BDR has got some pretty gnarly shit. I was honestly, you know, the way it's promoted mm-hmm. and the way they put it out there, you know, it's kind of like the way I thought about it was when you go someplace and they say that this meal is hot. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, yeah, it's never really hot. Right. So I assumed that this wasn't going to be They're overselling. that adventurous. I mean, not that it wasn't going to be that adventurous, but I didn't think it was going to be that difficult. demanding and yeah. difficult. Yeah. And it was. There's some real difficult sections that I avoided. For this, for have for especially mm-hmm. for a big bike. I mean, yep. when I got to the top of California and there was dudes on dirt bikes just completely spent, you know, mm-hmm. and like didn't even, they weren't excited to see me, you know. They were just like, <laughs> "Fuck you, you're having a good time," you know. Like, we're dying just to get up here. Uh, it was pretty gnarly. Yeah, I want to go back to Colorado BDR. Been on parts of it twice now. Down around Buena Vista, that area's got like. It's really kind of crazy looking down there. Like you said, it kind of looks like Joshua Tree. Yeah. Did but, you go through the rock tunnels and shit? Yeah. Yeah, Fucking it's way cool. And then it's real sandy. Yeah. Too, like a lot of sand. Dude, Which, I did a river crossing there. Oh, really? Okay. You know, it's small. Mm-hmm. I had just done one that was pretty deep, but I could see through. it was flowing really good. Yeah. This one was like muddy, mm-hmm. wider, and it was at the bottom of one of these. You know, like mm-hmm. a descend to an ascend. So you're in a gully. I was in a gully. Yeah. And it was fucking deep, dude. Oh. I went straight through it, and I, I just felt that motor just start, you know, Ooh. spitting the sputter. I just gun it, you know, and yep. just go up the other side. And it mm-hmm. did just fine. But it was it's wet sand, you know, is a little bit easier than, like, mud. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like it's firm down there. The nice thing around here is like there's so much rock. Basically, all of them are rock bottoms. Oh yeah, all the river crossings. Yep. Yeah. And then over on in the southern hills, when you get over by like Rushmore and Keystone and that. Yeah. I don't ride over there a ton. There's good stuff over there. I'd say the trail density is not as thick over there, but the trails are good. And is it is rocky over there? Um. I want to say yes, but I we were on some rocky stuff today. But there's some stuff that's no, not we as were rocky. not. I was on rocky stuff before I met you. Yeah, so we'll we'll talk about that too. We'll, I'll talk about a rocky section. I if we want to ruin our day, we could go over there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Camp five. <laughs> no, worse. Oh, really? Yeah. So <clears throat> out here, there's to me, there's like two types of rock situations. There's like the loose kind of baby head and smaller stuff that's scattered around the dirt. That. I mean, like that one, the one we went down after we switched bikes back, mm-hmm. we went down that section. That kind of sucks, especially going up. It's just a traction issue, right? Yeah. But the other thing there is here is big, big rocks buried in the ground that don't move. So they're like icebergs, right? Like there's yeah. a big I mean, section. That's what top. about chunked me over, off the bike. Yeah. So when we, so going back to, we had get on ADV Fest out here with Ribzilla. I wanted to get to this. Yeah. So. We got some trails uh, from a guy out here. I'm a Bill. Bill, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting your name. He runs uh, the Dakota 600, another uh, like limited um, adventure uh, event out here. But Bill's been out here for a really, 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 really long time. So he helped us with some routes. Um, I had ridden most of what uh, I would say probably 80% of what he had, but just on and off of at different times, not in his loops, which was really nice. So he has. An event that he does, or he just has planned. No, he has an event. It's called the Dakota Six Hundred. Okay. And it is like I think it's only limited to fifty people. It's a lot more expensive than ADV Fest, but it's a different kind of experience, right? It's very, 
like curated, all inclusive, yeah. and like where like uh, ADB Fest was like two hundred and sixty bucks. You get camping and breakfast in the morning. It's just they're they're two different things. I mean, yeah. they don't. I, in my opinion, they don't compete. You know what right. I mean? They're so Bill. We sponsored his event. Even Revzilla sponsored his event, and then he gave us some of the routes. Well, they rated them A, B, and C. So first day, um, the the uh, Revzilla folks get here, and so we go out to ride one of the A routes. And it's myself and uh, uh, gentleman by the name. Now, did he rate him, or did you guys? He rated him. He, he rated him. Okay. So Jeff Canary, Jeff's wife Liz, who rides really well, uh, myself, Spurgeon Dunbar, and then um, Steven, who's one of our VPs, and they're on adventure bikes. I'm on a 450. Liz is on a DR. Uh, like big adventure bike style. No, CC. they're on uh, no uh, 890. So I'll get to this too. Steven had an 890 Adventure R KTM, brand new, okay. 400 miles on it. Jeff had a Tenere 700, and Spurgeon was on an F850 GS with TKC 80s on it. Um, Liz was on a DR uh, 650. Um, so we're on this A route, and I've ridden part of it before, and we get to, I, I should take you by there sometime. <laughs> we're in this rock hell that I've been to before, and it is just like one of those, it's so much, so much these big rocks that are like, your, your wheels are never on the same plane. You know what I mean? So like mm-hmm. one's up here, one's down here, and then yeah. you're running into another one, and then you gotta make a 180 degree turn, and it's like that. Well, they were kind of asking me, well, is it, are the A routes, A routes, B routes, B routes, and I was like, look, I've only been riding dirt since 2018. I started flat tracking before that, but I'm not counting that as like riding dirt, right? When I moved out here, I bought a dirt bike, started riding dirt. So I'm like, what may be hard for me? Maybe I'm pussy. Yeah, yeah maybe you're not like, the, the best judge. <laughs> right. So I'm like, I'll take you guys day routes, and like, but yeah, I could be, I could just suck, you know. So we'll go. And I, again, I'm on an enduro bike, and they're on, yeah, you know, middle weight adventure bike, which so is it does make a big the difference. level of difficulty is leveled up, right? Yeah. So. I just remember this from, I don't even know if Jeff remembers this. We were in this kind of rock. We'd done some kind of gnarly stuff, but we are in this kind of rock hell. We're climbing up. Jeff and I are kind of in the front, and we made it to the top of this thing and sat there. And then the Liz and Spurgeon and Steven are down below coming up. And I just remember me and Jeff, I was tired. We're sitting there, and uh, I kind of look, and I look back, and Jeff looked over at me. He goes, hey, this is fucking hard. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. I was like, noted. Yeah. <laughs> like, ah, I thought it was too. I'm glad we're on the same page. Like, but again, they were this harder for them than it was for me. Yeah. The other thing is like, I'm short. You know, I'm five foot six. You've seen me on that 450. I kind of gotta like, you know, do a dance when I stop. I try to stop. So on stuff like that, I can't stop or like dab a foot. Yeah. I gotta just like bomb it. I gotta go until I find a spot. I ride it a little bit different. I just kind of like, okay, look up ahead. Here we go. I mean, that's really the way to ride it, though. I would agree. I think that that probably, you having that handicap, if you will, yeah. probably helps you out to where you just you do that anyways. Yeah. Because people get fucked themselves up trying to put a foot down, like mm-hmm. thinking that that's the move. It's when, not. Guess it. Yeah, it's not, it's not <laughs> the move. Use your hands. Yeah, those guys impress me, man. Like, they are, um, I mean, if anybody ever. I don't know why anybody would, but if you ever question the legitimacy of like those Revzilla dudes on adventure bikes, don't. Yeah. They're super legit. And uh, Jeff's wife, she is not a the Revzilla employee directly. I think actually I think she's a teacher, but man, on that uh, that DR650, she rode the wheel off. I was super impressed. Like, That's awesome. It, we had, we had a great time too. I'm that little event, and I sound like I'm just shilling for the company here. Well, like, you know. Uh, yeah, kind of. <laughs> uh, it was great. Uh, 
It was a small, small event. I, I don't think the event, we don't ever want anything that, you don't want like 30,000 people at like that type of event, right? You want it to be, you know, kind of small. And it was all about riding motorcycles, which made me super happy. Well, it seemed like a real personable event. Like you probably got to meet and know a lot of the people yeah. who were there. The other thing, so I actually took a day off work. I'm like, I'm taking a day off just to ride. I'm going to go be a patron, you know what I mean? Like I'm yeah. not, I'm not working. I took a day off just to ride, and David from Icon, his buddy Ken, we on a KTM, we we rode together. Uh, that's another thing. David from Icon is a legit dude. So tell me how this was set up. Say I buy my ticket. Okay, yeah. You you know how does this work? It's at the I, chip. I, I just clicked on some things on the website and yep. show up. So it's out at the chip. Is that's like home base, and um, there were demo rides with BMW and Harley Davidson. There was some uh, adventure schools out there if you want to take skills courses, stuff like that. You get camping with your ticket. Was that part of the admission or was that just upcharge? No, if you no that the was schools? all part of everything. That was all included. Wow. And then I, I, I know that breakfast was included. I don't know if dinner was included or not. And like you got breakfast in the morning too, part of your ticket. You could, you don't have to go with anybody. You could just, and then so Rever, all the routes were in Rever. So when you got there, got the Rever app on your phone. Uh, Rever is a ride tracking app that is also part of the Komodo family. Okay. And so, but on there, like, you can go access all those routes and follow them. So you didn't have to ride with anybody from the event. You could, you and your buddies could just go and go back home base. Mm -hmm. So, but I mean, uh, to um, the Revzilla folks' credit, like, they, in my opinion, like, they were, I, they took an insane amount of time with customers. So basically, they took customers out on trail rides you see some of the pictures. At one point, this dude like submerged his Tenere 700, I think, and they're out there. Then like three or four of them picked the bike up vertical to dump the water out of the exhaust. So they had like a Tenere 700, like in a 12 o'clock wheelie position to, to get to get the water to run back out of the exhaust yeah. because the dude like dumped it over in the water. So like those guys, man, they went above and beyond for the for the customers that were here, like. Took them out and held their hand through everything. Showed them all the routes. Like picked up their bikes, pushed their bikes. You know whatever they needed to do, they did it. So like I don't know how you could have had a bad experience. I don't, I'm sure nobody did, but like it was, it was. Fun. I'm sure somebody did. Yeah, there's always that yeah, guy, right? You don't want him to come back, yeah. anyways. And then the last day we did a road ride. Okay, so each so each day. Yep. Was there like a set route, or were there just suggestions? There were suggestions, and then it was like, okay, the staff is gonna run this route. Okay. And so if you want to go with staff, you can go with the staff. And then if you want to run something else on your own. I would say, seriously, if you're going to run the A routes, like don't let your ego get get you there. Yeah. The A routes are pretty legit A routes. So if you, that, that's the thing. I think like if you want to challenge yourself, that's one thing. But you also don't want to – I'm speaking from experience out here. I've been stranded here before. So you don't want to get stranded. So if you come out, run the B routes. If you think the B routes too much – or, you know, then you, you... Yeah, if you can't have fun on the right. new routes. Yeah, so that's where... So Stevan brought a brand new 850 or brand new 890 Adventure R. And um, he was running the B route the day after I rode the A routes with him. And that poor guy, that bike was beautiful. Brand new, 400 miles. They're clipping along maybe 40 miles an hour down a B route trail. One of those rocks I was talking about, big rock, probably more of an under the ground than not sticking out of the ground, clips his foot peg on it. And when he does, it smashes the foot peg off and snaps the bracket off. Well, the bolt that holds the bracket on is also like the rear motor mount. Crack the case. Oh. 460 miles. Whoa. Yeah. Stoked. 
Right. Is that like a Poor warranty guy. piece? How does that work? I think it totaled the bike, actually. In insurance. Oh, yeah. yeah, just goner. He insured his adventure bike. I guess my yeah. adventure bike's insured. I, I, man, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I'm, that bike ain't getting put, it's totaled. It's not like in good shape. But like, <laughs> yeah, the poor guy, man. Like, yeah, he rode the wheels out the first day and then he was on like an easier route the second day and totals it like by smashing his, you know, just himself off the, the side of a rock. Yeah, just goes to wow. show you like those B routes will get you to. I, I only had one get off and it was on a B route. I was flying up a rocky hill, hit a, hit a big root, which kicked my bike sideways, shot me crossways across the trail, and there was about a three-foot wall of dirt that I just drilled with my front end, and I went over the handlebars. And I didn't think too much of it at the time. Like, it hurt, you know? Yeah. I got back up. I don't really bruise that easy, but it looked right above my knee brace and then right under my rib cage. It looked like somebody hit me with a hammer. Damn. Where I just ate the handlebar going over the top mm-hmm. and then got it with my leg on the way down. What yeah. was everybody else riding? <clears throat> like the customers? It was, you know, 95% adventure bikes, man. It was all kinds of stuff. Well, I mean, like what kinds? I mean, uh, there was a couple Pan Americans out here, Tenere yeah. 700s, a bunch of KTMs, a handful of BMWs, like all the the usual customers. Like there was bigger, some, bigger adventure bikes. Yeah, was I would like say a like. A handful of dirt bikes or? No, not really. Really? Um, there's a couple, I think. One dude was on a 690 adventure. Which is like my 690 Supermoto. So it's not, I wouldn't call it like a full size adventure bike. Yeah. Um, There's a couple, I think, enduro bikes, but it was a lot of like, like I said, F850 GSs. Where did they come from? All over the place. Like David and his buddy Ken came from Oregon. Um, I'm trying to think where some of the folks are from. There are people from Nevada. I think there are people from the Southeast. Just all over. I mean, part of me is stoked because like I, like, you know, prop, I'm the biggest salesman for the Black Hills, and especially when it comes to off-road stuff. But also, I also don't want to tell anybody. <laughs> well, you're doing the opposite yeah, yeah, right the opposite. now. Yeah. <laughs> you made a funny comment today, though. Or not funny, but yeah. the, during the rally is the best time to ride yeah. the trails because there's not as many people or families out on side by sides. I will say that. So this is getting to be a huge, as you would expect, a huge side by side area. Yeah. Like the rentals here, I mean, there are hundreds of. So when did they legalize them on the road? Oh, a long time ago. Really? Going back to like farm use, you know what I mean? Like four wheelers and farm use. I just don't remember as many during the rally. Well, they're well, going this, down the road. That whole scene is exploding. The side gotcha. by side scene. So people just have them. Yeah, and you even if you don't have, so say you come from a state, like a buddy of mine had brought his from Iowa, where you don't have a plate. Well, yeah. you can go get a temporary plate here to drive it on the road. Perfect. So people come here, and, you, and there's nothing wrong with them being on the road. You just can't take them on Interstate 90, obviously. But um, there's a ton of them on the trail. And I haven't had too many bad experiences with oncoming traffic. One or two close calls. I would say most people here are just here kind of lounging and rolling through. I call them the boater, the boaters of the off-road world. Because mm-hmm. they're doing what they would do in a boat. They're cruising. they got a radio on. they got a cooler. Having a good time. Yeah. Most people aren't like me and, you know, foot to the floor, trying to back it into every corner. <laughs> and you see the trails here. There's not a lot of places to do that. Like the desert, you can run them things like wide open, kind of. Yeah. Here, you got to kind of pick your way through stuff. But so the side by side thing is really, really blown up. But during the rally, you seen today what we see one. Yeah, we saw one guy twice, I think. Yeah. Uh, so. Or I guess me and Hot Rod saw one guy. Yeah, and then yeah. we seen that dude that was standing next to his, looking at a map. Yeah. Normally, I'll see. I don't know. I'll mean a hundred in a day, easy. And they're, it's, it's fine, but during rally, the, the off-road people 
don't they know better than to come here during rally because yeah. you, you see it you can't get anywhere you want to go it's funny uh, in red river they have a memorial day rally mm. obviously smaller than this one but it's also a big side-by-side spot well the city wasn't backing the the rally this year so there was no like social media post about a motorcycle right. rally coming up and so but the bikers all showed up and then a bunch of fucking families with their side-by-sides. Oh. The town was just, like, flooded with people. It was pretty funny. Yeah, so side-by-side guys don't want to come here during the rally, obviously, because, like, you know, like, restaurants are backed up. You can't yeah. get into them. So, like, today what we found, if we go off-road, which right now you cannot ride a motorcycle on a paved road in the Black Hills. This rally has been insane busy. Yeah. Like, very frustrating to ride on the pavement. I mean, even the little bit of time we spent on pavement or just turning on on a road, it was, like, we had to watch 100 bikes go by before we could turn. Yep. But the difference of that is, like, you get out on the dirt, and there ain't nobody there. I can't. We, we, didn't, we don't see anybody out there. I see dirt bikes and adventure bikes all on the road. Yeah, I see, like, on a non-rally time, I see all kinds of people out there. I think they're just staying away. Is there, like, a pass or, like, a loop that's popular? Or, I mean... That's the thing. It's tough. You kind of got to make your own loops. So the side-by-side guys kind of know, you know, like, the, they know areas, right? Like Nemo, very yeah. popular for side-by-side guys. The Rochford area, popular. Um, but the trail, when you look at the trail map here, it looks like just a spaghetti ball of trails. Yeah, it's insane. So there's not any kind of, like, natural loops. That's another thing that was nice about the ADV Fest. Those routes were, like, looped. Yeah. And so today I took you on places that I know. And we just kind of like, we were hopping on a road, hopping off road, hitting a trail. Mm-hmm. It just comes from riding out here so much. I know where they where they end yeah. to jump to another one. So that's, and that's the fun of it too. I'll spend a Saturday and a Sunday out here. I'll spend one day, I'll just, I'll ride my trail. I've never been down that one. I'll go scout it, okay. Make a note on my little trail app, either to go there or to not go there. Mm-hmm. And then you build your own kind of loops in. And then the next day I'll go try to run them all. Yeah. We use them more for transportation, too, like getting to and from places. Yeah, a little cut across today was pretty slick getting back from the backside of Deadwood over into Sturgis. Yeah. Yeah, that was nice. I, I found that a while ago. That's pretty good. I ain't telling anybody where that is. No. <laughs> <laughs> if, except for that one. I mean, I think my chopper could do that one hill, but it then could. it could also, you know, could not. Yeah, I ran some stuff the other day. I ended up, there, there's good trails outside of Lead, too. A lot of snowmobile trails over there. Oh, yeah? But there's good trails, and there's like a kind of a couple mainline, real cool gravel roads. Like, I wouldn't want to take like a sedan down them. You know what I mean? But it is a gravel road, kind of. But from there, then you could hit some trailheads off that. Mm-hmm. You can really quickly leave here and be in Wyoming <clears throat> on trails in not too long a time. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I like, that's right. I've been exploring that lead area quite a bit. Lead and that, what they call. So, like, where Cheyenne, Cro- where, um, where Cheyenne Crossing is, the end of Spearfish Canyon, if you were to go towards Wyoming there, they call that Icebox Canyon. That's actually a really cool paved road, too. But there's a bunch of trails and stuff out there I've been riding around on, and that's yeah. kind of a... That's why, I mean, once you get to the border, most of the trails just... End, or I, no, there, no, there's more over there. So, like, the Black Hills stretch all the way over to Sundance. Yeah. Yeah. There's trails over there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going that way. <laughs> going kind of, I mean, I'm going that direction. You're going that not, direction, but not I'm that not, I'm going to jump on the yeah. pavement and do, and do my trip tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, it's 
the dirt part of it's been kind of my saving grace out here during rally because you can't ride a motorcycle at least not like i want to ride a motorcycle during rally you can but you're gonna be it's a parade man yeah you're just gonna be passing people left and right well that's the other thing that like kind of like really drew me to dirt there's no rules kind of do whatever you i mean there's kind of rules but not really go as fast as you want go as slow as you want Mm -hmm. jump something don't jump something turn wherever you want you know, yeah, it's not like on the when you ride in the dirt all the time in the woods, and then you get back on a road, you're like, oh, I'm confined to wherever this goes. Mm-hmm. In the woods, you can take a turn, go up on a hill, go down somewhere, go across water. Well, unless you're racing, right? Yeah. Tell me about the Bill 100. Oh, that was. I forgot that you had done that until we were talking to Hot Rod today about him running into my sports <laughs> I was out of fr- I had the front row of front row seats for that. Yeah. So uh, we went to the Bell 100 in the spring, which was great. I mean, those guys just know how to party, really. Which bike did you take? I took a really stupid bike for what we were doing. I took a FTR 1200. Mm-hmm. That was, I put a SNS slip on it and a set of TKC 80s, and I built a skid plate out of a sign I had hanging on the wall. I was worried about shoving something through the bottom. Is that the one that was all duct taped together up there? Yes, okay. duct tape on the front fender. Yeah. Uh, that I had never, and I had ridden in the desert just a little bit, just like kind of screwing around with a buddy a couple years ago. Tom Chapman used to have a house in the desert, and we'd ride four wheelers and stuff out there. So I wasn't super familiar with what it was going to be like. And it was really fun, but it beat the fuck out of me. Yeah. Like, so I knew I was going to have like a lot of burn a lot of calories right so i have like a garmin watch it's pretty accurate with like calorie burn and i'm like i burn about three thousand calories a day like anybody else on a normal day my watch that day 9961 oh man so for we 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 i went there with joe zito 99 okay Ten thousand calories so three times the amount yeah so i went there with uh i would have thought more than that sorry go ahead I did what I could, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, it, I'm, my day in the desert, the mint 400. Yeah. Uh, it feels a lot worse. It definitely uh, felt like more. Yeah, okay. So uh, Joe Zito and I got there. Uh, Joe was on his, uh, he had his Triumph, a badass 72 Triumph Yeah. that he races in the Northeast, and that dude rails on that thing. Sick. It was super fun. I rode that bike a little bit. That bike's fucking like legit fast woods bike. Anyways, we rode around a little bit the night before out in the desert and I was like oh okay well I'm gonna run out of suspension really really fast Mm -hmm. so we get to we're in line to start you know they're starting us in rows our line gets called up and I don't it was I can't remember the guy's name that was riding your bike Cliff so Cliff was there California yep Uh, Hot Rod was there I was there Brady uh, from Go Fast was in our line and I was like, I either need to get a really, really, really good start and get ahead of everybody, or just kind of get out of the because the dust cloud, right? Like, yeah. you don't want to be in the middle. Is what I was thinking. I was like, I gotta get out in front, or if I'm in the middle of the pack, I gotta kind of split to the outside so I can see what I'm doing. So I got an okay start, which left me in the middle of the pack, right where I didn't want to be. <laughs> so I'm we're flying along, and I kind of catch Brady out of the corner of my vision. I know he's on my right well as we fly up there you kind of we started like a 60 degree angle to the trail so we hit the trail and then we turned a little bit so we turned left a little bit i went to the wide the far outside part of the trail just to kind of get out of the dust and we did that 
cliff was up to the front left of me. And I swear to God, I heard the suspension collapse on that bike. When he <clears> I think he hit a, like a gully or something, like something deep that he couldn't see. Cause there's no way he could see he was in a dust cloud. Yeah. And all I know is I heard like a clack. The next thing I know, I see dude off of the bike. I cannot see your bike and he is facing me, which is the wrong way to be facing. Yeah. And then just sitting on the ground. No, he's standing. He's oh. actually, I thought he was in the air. Okay. Is what it looked like he was to me, but I th I remember him like popping out of the dust. He must have hit the ground and had the wherewithal to like get up so he didn't get run over. And look at all the racers. So yeah, so what I hear like clack and it happens real fast and there's a dust cloud and there's Cliff looking at like our direction. Mm -hmm. And the next thing I know, wham, hot rod just cracks that bike. I didn't see the bike he hit, and I seen him for a very very short time. Yeah. And he just disappeared into the air, into the dust. And um, all I could think was, we're only about 200 yards from the starting line. Somebody will pick him up. Like, cause like for a, They'll be fine. I'm going to keep going. Because I thought, the first thing in my head was like, shit, I got to stop. And I was like, oh, there's people right back there. It's a race. Yeah. It's a race. yeah so there's people fine. back there. He's going to be fine. Yeah. He got lucky. Like, I know he got hurt. But like, it could have been so much worse for him and Cliff. That oh. bike looked like he died. When you look at his bike. Oh, hot rods? Yeah. yeah. Looked like he had, yeah, somebody, yeah, the bike was toast. So we get into the race and taking it kind of easy and a medium, like not going, I'm not going as hard as I possibly can because I know we got a long way to go. Yeah. I'm going at 60, 70%. And now is then, it deep sand? Is it rocks? What is it? It's made the, 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 it was sand. That's what gave me problems. It was sand and rocks. But like there was long stretches, there was two track, long stretches of sand, which if I was on my dirt bike would have been like, I would have barely noticed, but I was on a 500. So it wasn't deep sand. Parts were deep. I'll get to a deep part, but okay. it was like deep enough where a 525 pound bike with a 19 inch wheel was just kind of plowing through it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was just work to get it through. I mean, that's the thing. Like if you want to ride any section of something that's kind of difficult, if you ride it kind of at your own pace and you're not in a hurry, you're not in a race, it's not that hard. If you try to ride it, as fast as you possibly can, shit gets a lot harder. You know what I mean? Like some of the stuff we were riding today, we were riding at a nice fun pace, but if we wanted to like turn it on and go as fast as we possibly could, well then the level of difficulty. Got, I would have gone over the handlebars. Right, so that's what, that's the situation we're in. So Brady kind of passes me a little bit and <laughs> I'm laughing because that morning he wanted to go get tall socks. He didn't bring any tall socks for his boots. And we went to Walmart, and all they had was diabetes socks. So we got a set of, like, old people diabetes socks. Yeah. And he's like, whenever I pass anybody, I'm going to just scream, I don't have diabetes. And he did. He went past me and screamed that he didn't have diabetes. That's no I, Yeah, I was laughing so hard. He's like, I don't have diabetes. <laughs> I, was, oh. I was the only person out there that would have got the joke. Yeah. So then I was yeah, following. you couldn't see his socks. No. Yeah. So I was following him, just kind of following him along. And then... I thought the trail was pretty well marked, if you're not having seen it. Pink, things or whatever. He took a phantom right turn off into the desert. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll see him later. And then from there, I fell three times that lap. Yep, and one of them hurt real bad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just so, wadded in the sand? Yeah, wadded in the sand. Yep, Knocked like, off? It got in a deep sand. All you can really do is like throttle through it. That's what I was gonna say. There were people, 
it's two track and there would be people like i mean the outriggers were out feet paddling through yeah. and then just going slow and i was like if they're ahead of you in that track you got to switch to the other track to get by them yeah well that trying on the ftr to switch tracks through the pile of sand in the middle it would just be like you know it was just it was a tank through there so when they would get squirrely i would just gas it you know what i mean just gas 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 try to get through it and i just got kind of cross rutted and it just shot me off of the two track mm -hmm. and right into one of those little sage bushes when i say little it was probably i don't know three and a half feet tall yeah. and when it hit that sage bush it just stuck like a fucking dart and boop, i just shot over the top of it's it it's crazy like in the desert at the man those bushes look like you could just ride right through them. They don't they? <laughs> That's not how it works. No, see, they're no, way man. stronger than they look. Yeah, it might as well be like a like a wall. Like you ain't you don't want to hit one dead center. I've I figured that out real fast. Yeah. So like I took that tumble. I got to the Was end. Was there cactus out there? Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, lots of cactus. Yep. So I get I'm getting towards there's mile markers, which is nice. Twenty five mile laps. And then so I get Was it nice? You like seeing that? Uh, kind of tells you where you're I at. guess when you're doing yeah. a lap, that, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I come over a hill, and there's Brady and his bike laying in the middle of the tra track. He's just getting up. He had found his way back onto the track, so he cut across the middle. And then his front brake locked so you, up. So you was just cutting the course? Yeah, accidentally. Yeah. It doesn't matter because his front brake locked up and he ate shit. And <laughs> so I actually stopped and pulled over. And I had a, he didn't have any tools. I had some tools. Yeah. I, I hit the hit the bleeder screw on his front caliper, or his, yeah, so it unlocked. Well, when he fell, it snapped off his rear brake pedal. <laughs> so he didn't have any brakes. Perfect. Yeah, I was like, I'm gonna tighten this back up. I'm like, but it could lock up again, and it did lock up again, and pretty much ended his day. And then about two miles after that, I found Mikey Virus with a blown up engine. Yep. And so I was like, who do you want me to send? And he's like, uh, go to the pits. Tell these people where I'm at. And he was lucky because he was like 100 yards from an access road. Oh, perfect. So I finished my first lap, and I remember Bill Bryant. So I was like, how does this work, Bill? Like, you get, you, know, you got to go back into the pits. They mark your fender. And then, like, I'm like, do you hustle back out? Like, he goes, I don't know. He goes, he, I remember him saying, the way I desert race is I make a lap. I come in. I eat a sandwich. And, like, <laughs> made a crack like that. And I'm like, sweet. That sounds great. Like, <laughs> <laughs> And so I did. I came. I came in, and I was just beat. I was like, "That was an eye-opening experience." Yeah. And so I sat down. Uh, our pit crew there was really good. The people that were there with Go Fast and some of the people from Salt City Builds were there, and they were like, "Give me water and stuff." And I'm like, "In." And I had the one fall. It's just I have a uh, reconstructed left knee with like a, I got cadaver parts in there. It, it's a mess, and uh, it I, it had dinged me up pretty good. And I'm like, man. Like, it was either if I sit here any longer, it's just going to swell up and I'm not going to be able to go, or I got to go now. Yeah. So, like, I just went back out again. Yeah. You, you, yeah. Once you take a break and stop, yeah. you're... So, I went through, I, I went again, and then I remember seeing mile marker 23, and then I seen a buddy of mine, Curtis Chapman. He was out there, and he's like, hey! And so, I don't know, in our, like, the idiocy of us, like, being like, hey, you know, out on the trail, we both went off the trail. <laughs> And I was. I thought you could say you both ran into. No, each we other. were immediately lost. Oh my He went, God. and I'm like, I think it's over here. And he goes, I think it's over here. So he went his way, which was the correct way. <laughs> and I'm like, I think it's over here. I'm not shitting you. I rode around and rode around and rode around and rode around in the desert for quite some time. 
I'm not shitting you. I, so I, I'm like, oh, I think I see the trail. I see the, I see the pink trail markers. So I'd seen the trail. I'm like, I can kind of see the pits. I'm like, I got to go that way. So I turn left. I go about a half mile, and I see the back of a mile marker, which means I'm going the wrong way on the, the trail. The wrong way down the trail. So I spin around. It's mile marker three. So you went back five miles? I went back 20 miles. <laughs> Oh my god! So then I'm like, you gotta be shitting me. I'm like, I'm not running this lap because I, they mark your fender. So yeah. I would have. I'm like, I'm gonna end up making two laps. Yeah. And only get one mark. <laughs> so I made my way all the way back around again, and then I was like, I'm done. I'm yeah, calling it because it. it was it was getting close. People had people had finished ahead. I'm like, I could make my one more lap. I'm like, but I got. The, and I had one more crash in the, all that. I had another crash. But that was where the same place got me. I had four crashes. I crashed in the same place twice. And it was really, really deep sand to a hard right-hander up a rocky hill. Perfect. And that FTR climbed a rocky hill like nothing, man. Just gas it. The thing just, just got to get to the rocky hill. Right. So when I tried to get the thing turned in the sand to get up there, it would just wash. It was kind of a berm on the side. And I would try to like use the berm, but it would just blow out with that heavy bike. And the second time it did it, it basically, the bike ended up upside down in the rut. Like the wheels were on the top of the berm. That was easy to pick up. In the handlebar. And it was like, it was the last wreck. I was dead tired. And I was like, I didn't know if I was going to pick it up. But I muzzled the thing back up and got out of there. But I said all that to say, it was awesome. <laughs> if they do it again, I will definitely be You're doing go it back? again. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100, I will not be taking an FTR with TKC 80s. It's fun what are you going to take? Probably something dumber. I have a 72 iron head in the garage out there that's halfway put together. And I'm thinking about taking that and racing it in the vintage class. Well, I'm, I'm going to beat you to it. Oh, no. I mean, I'm, me, Carlos already built a bike that we're going to race the mint with. Iron head. I think I've seen that bike. Yeah, I see a, a nice picture bike. of yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Carlos. Yeah, it's nicer than what I'm going to bring. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty nice <laughs> bike. Uh, <laughs> And he says that it works pretty good. I haven't. I guess I've ridden it a little bit. What do you guys got for a front end on there? DRZ four hundred front end. Yeah. See, I gotta do something like that. Yeah. It was cheap, easy. He like did something to it. Yeah, I got some work to do. On I don't think it works real good, but it's on there. Yeah. Well, I mean, no, he actually he said that he's got the suspension dialed. Uh, I don't know what he did. So Joe Zito, you know, formerly of Rosilla. Yeah. He had that seventy two Triumph. And it doesn't have, it's got a Triumph front end on it. I mean, I know it's got suspension work done to it. I don't want to dumb down what Joe's got going on there. Yeah. But it's not like a modern dirt bike front end on that thing. Yeah. It's the, you know, period correct, let's say, tubes and stuff. And he's got some suspension on the back. And that bike, well, especially with him on it, flew through the desert. Well, how much does that engine weigh? I mean, how much does that bike weigh? Well, I don't weigh much. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, then how much the like, iron head weighs? Yeah. The problem with the iron heads, sportsters, whatever, is right where you want to put your pegs is like the mm -hmm. widest part of the bike. Mm -hmm. So then you get your pegs out there wide, and now you've got a lot of leverage as soon as you like, you know. Yeah. And then you're dealing with a heavy bike with a tall center of gravity. That was one mistake I made with my bike was building it so tall off Real the tall. ground. Yeah. So I don't know. I might, that, that thought has crossed my mind. I think you need to get one of those fucking Yamaha XTs from the 
the dude's shops we were just at. Sasha, One of those nice ones. Sasha's got a 175. Oh, 175. XT 175? Yep. You need 500. Yeah, yeah. That's that, that I'm talking that. from the shop we were just at where we got my yeah, tire. Cool that's yeah. what you need. That's One cool of those bike. bikes with a fucking aluminum tank on it. Oh, oh dude. Yeah, I, I'd feel bad about the aluminum tank. Why? Because it dent the shit out of us. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I can't wait to see somebody strip down the Pan America and That'd have, be great. have an aluminum tank. Man, I tell you what, like, that that was that was a great event. It was the, the worst part about it was driving there to California to to Ridgecrest to go into California. Yeah, it was nice to go out there, but like I slept in the van on the way there, and I was somewhere the western part of Wyoming, cutting through there. I, yeah, I threw a sleeping bag next to the bike, and I woke up and it was like twenty two degrees in the van. So they think next time I'm going to plan a little better. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I was like, I would just go straight south from here. Yeah, just, for just, go, start, south. just, just go south and then cut over when it's yeah. time. But it, it was man, it was fun. The like those guys, most stuff they do is super fun. And oh that, fuck yeah, it that is. was that was no different. Yeah, just a bunch of us idiots in the desert having a good time. Uh-huh. You know, if I was smart, I'd just take an actual dirt bike out there. I think that was an option, right? It was, dude. I don't remember. I can't quote the times. The times those guys in like the open class ran were insane. Yeah, insane. The fast guys are fast, fast. Well, so at the mint, you know, they have it in groups, right? Mm-hmm. So the group goes, a group goes. We're the last group to start the hooligans. Mm-hmm. And I think they. I don't know how they do it. Anyway, when the first place guy lapped me, mm-hmm. he went by me so fucking fast. And threw so much shit at my face and my bike. Yeah. Dude, I couldn't even fucking believe it. Yeah. Hauling ass. That was the other thing I had to learn really quick. And I, you have to pay attention to what's ahead of you. But when you're out there on that course, there's people everywhere. And there are faster guys, slower guys. Yeah. So you have to pay, also pay attention to what's coming up from behind you. You don't want to, like, change your, your line as somebody getting ready to blow by you. Because by the time you hear them, they're on you. So you, you really have to have your head on a swivel. You know what I mean? What's going on? Here's another benefit, though, to running that Ironhead in the vintage class. The vintage class only does two laps. Now you're on to something, dude. <laughs> well, maybe the Instead XT, the XT yeah. 500 See? could be in the vintage See? class. Yep. The, vintage, the vintage guys do less laps. Wow. Yeah, I, I wish I would have been able to make it, uh, you know, but I didn't. I would love to do something like that out here. I just I, see that's the other thing. I, I know a lot of legwork had to go into that race because they had to work with the Bureau of Land Management, you know, oh, to get yeah. that all done. And we would have to do that here. We'd have to work with the, the National Forest and the Bureau of Land Management and all that. But man, it'd be cool to pull off up here. I mean, surely there's already an organization that does that. The only not around, well, not here in the Black Hills. There is an organization, uh, Wyoming WARA, Wyoming Off-Road Racers Association. They put on races in Wyoming. Yeah. And I've been meaning to hit one. In fact, I'm going to try to go to one here in September with my dirt bike. They're doing one. They just move them around Wyoming, and they race them out in basically like the Wyoming desert. And so they do it. Oh, they have a desert race out there. Yeah, they do off-road <laughs> races. And depending on whether – Wyoming is a pretty – like the topography in Wyoming changes a lot depending on where you're at. The northern part of that state is not like the southern part of that state. There are parts of that state it, – it, the plains part is very desert-like yeah. out there. So they, they move the races around, so – it's, to me, it looks like a desert race. If they have one middle or end of September, I might try to go, go to over there. But nobody does anything like that around here as far as woods races that I know of. 
Yeah. There's no trail trials or enduro circuit? No, not that I know. There's like motocross stuff. Obviously, Jack Pine runs uh, motocross races. They have a really good MX track over there. They have a there. motocross track over there? Yeah, it's awesome. Really? Mm-hmm. I went there for the first time last night. I'm almost ashamed to say that. Really? I love that place. Yeah, it was great. It's, it was the, fucking the, great. It is great. And I, I race flat track there. Just that, you know, they have a regular, just local series. And it's like, it's mainly, honestly, it's a lot of sprint. It's a lot of mini sprints. Mini sprint cars. They run kids and go-karts. They run bikes. And I go over there and race whenever I can. Normally, two, three times a year, I hit a Jack Pine race. Now, do they race every night of the start of the rally? Of the rally, yeah, pretty much. So they have, they're doing... You can just show up and race. Yeah, they're doing flat track races. They're doing hill climb races. And I think they do motocross races all during rally. I think that tonight is the hill climb. Probably. The big one. Yep. But they do, like, just on a... If you check their website, they do motocross. They have the motocross track open for practice probably, shit, man, twice a week sometimes in the summer. Really? Yeah, my kid goes over there and rides it. It's a it's an awesome track, man. There, I, you know that 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 uh, organization. That's what's you know it's the original organization from Sturgis Rally and Races. Yeah. Jack my Gypsies. That's it. Those are the those are the people, and the fact that it's still there and running is pretty amazing. It's pretty awesome. We. Uh I've never even seen it look like that before. Hmm. Look at that. Oh, wow. Still on. <laughs> <laughs> no bars. Uh, yeah. Jack Pine Gypsies. Uh, what, so you got some sweet projects going on in that shop, dude. The shop was sweet. I'm glad I got to, like, see it. Yeah, we, do, we keep busy over there. So we, we basically release a video a week. And it's normally, we're really kind of tech heavy. We do every kind of install imaginable, anything from oil change to cams, big boards, we have videos on. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been doing a lot more like 101 style videos, like basic stuff. So if you're new um, or if you're not and you just don't know, like I do, we do videos on like what cam specs mean, how to read and gap spark plugs, uh, all the way up on how to like measure crankshaft run out. So like I try to like cover every person on a motorcycle, whether you're brand new, whether you've been doing it for a long time, try to cover all that. This show is brought to you by MCShopTees.com, your t-shirt of the month club, the only way to support every local motorcycle shop. That's right. It's like a magazine subscription, except for you get a t-shirt. And each month, I feature a different shop from around the country while riding my chopper. I have to find the shops because it's an old fucking chopper. And these shops have helped me, and they will help you stay on the road. Each month, we design a limited one-off t-shirt that is only available through your subscription with MC Shop Tees, dude. We've got men's tees, women's tees, and kids' tees, so your motherfucking kid looks like a badass at school this year. Each shirt is accompanied with a postcard that tells you about the shop, where they're located, and what they specialize in, and gives you all their contact information. Go to MC Shop Tees and sign up now so you do not miss another motherfucking t-shirt, dude. This month's t-shirt was Hang 'em High Customs. And, dude, this motherfucker, Justin Kelly, is a badass, dude. I was stoked to finally do a t-shirt for him. He's an ex-Army Ranger. Actually, probably not an ex. You're probably, once you're one of those motherfuckers, you always are. But it's green black print it turned out fucking rad and if you're not a subscriber you did not get one 
So make sure you sign up now so you do not miss next month's t-shirt. Once you see these shirts on the internet, it's too fucking late. So go sign up now. Uh, true to form, we ran out of batteries. Oh, yeah. That's, that's what we do. I'm just I'm disappointed we didn't. How long did we record last time? We lost a lot last year. Yeah, we, we did. We, we, didn't, like, we didn't notice the batteries right last No, time. we lost a lot. Yeah. So video. I got a question for you about the video. Yeah. You were saying you got a video for, you know, newcomers, mm-hmm. people have been doing it for a while. Uh, how do you curate them? Do you, like, or decide what you're going to do? Do you talk to, like... Maybe the guys on the phones, hey, we've been getting a bunch of questions about this, or I've got to do this project for this thing, let's make a video of that, or so the, the, how does that the get... The easiest answer is just like, it's uh, what I come up with. So I kind of have an idea of what I want to do most of the time. Sometimes uh, in our production meetings, somebody will be like, hey, what about this? And we'll start a conversation. I meet with the merchants, the people that actually bring the product into the site, uh, a lot of times it'll start there. They say, hey, we have somebody that has a, this new. Well, I don't like necessarily just putting a new product on a table and talking about it. If I can install it on a bike. Yeah. Like somebody, hey, Vance has this new intake. That's cool. Let's show them how to put it on. You know what I mean? Rather than just sit it on a table and talk yep. about it and say, oh, it looks pretty. Um, so sometimes it'll go that way. Um, other times it'll be based on like, oh, there's a guy I work with, Roger. He, you know, say, hey, we've seen search volume on this topic, like, uh, you know, batteries. So actually, so that's a good example. I have coming up in a few weeks, we're probably, we're going to shoot a, it's a one-on-one style video on lead acid versus lithium batteries. Oh, talk about all the, the differences. Yep. What are the differences? Why, why lithium battery is more expensive? You know, it's lighter. You can get a smaller one with a lot of cold cranking amps. Um, why thing- they explode? Yeah, that yeah, <laughs> like that. I heard another one of those stories yesterday. <laughs> they they've gotten a lot better. I don't hear them as much anymore. The other yeah. thing is, you can't use a lead acid charger on a lithium battery. You got to have that's so that's another like kind of hidden cost, right? I use a lot of lithium batteries, and they're not cheap, but they work great. I have one on my dirt bike. Mm-hmm. You can't just plug in. You, can't, you also have to buy a li- you also have to buy a charger yeah, different, for it. Right? Tender. Yep. So so things like that. So that's kind of how they come out, mm-hmm. and then we do. I think I've built 11 bikes since I came back to JMP in 18. Sweepstakes bikes, project bikes for all kinds of stuff. We started doing a series last winter called The Build Up, yeah. where I built that little soft tail chopper and we gave it away. It was a bike that was a catalog bike from 2005. And it yeah, had just yeah. literally been sitting under a tarp. Yeah, I think we that's we, we talked about yeah, we that. we were talking about that. So yeah. we're in the middle right now again. Of Who was the winner? How'd that go? Oh, a guy named Fred from Arizona. It went great. Nice. Yeah, he was stoked. I'm glad he got the bike. I mean, it was... It was a cool bike. I was, Did you get any content out of like him? No, no, I didn't, unfortunately. See, I uh, fucked that up, too, the last bike I gave away. I'm like, they had yeah. this great conversation telling him he won the bike, and I'm like, why the fuck didn't I record that? Yeah, no, he, he was a great guy. I did a video call with him, kind of walked him through the bike, and, and there wasn't a lot to it. It was very chopper. It was keys in a seat, man. It was like yeah. one key and a start button. That's it. No front brake. Right yeah, here you go. Have a good time. And I think he, he was stoked on the bike. It was totally his deal. So Nice. That, that was awesome that he won it. Um, we're in the middle of season two. We just a week ago put out episode one. Episode two will come out in two days from now, which will be, it'll be out by the time this, get, this podcast gets out. And then episode three will be a couple weeks after that. And we're building a nitrous sportster. So I basically, in the first episode, talked a gang of shit about how sportsters are the true performance Harley Davidson and performance baggers are a waste of time. 
course, you know, I had to swipe this, it up. So like, well, great, this is good. Yeah, okay. so I was like, that's a performance bagger. I was like, that's just like a, it's a giant, just a giant block. Like, it's an oxymoron performance mm. bagger. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, if you want the tr- the true and really the true performance, I, it's well documented. I'm a sportster honk. Like, I will just live and die on sports. I wrote an article on our blog that just generated all kinds of like feistiness. And it was the uh, Sportster is the greatest Harley Davidson ever made, and I can defend that argument very, very well, because like you can do the sport, I can I can take Sportster across country. I mean, my my videographer Steve, he rode in his eighty eight three Sportster from here to Mexico and back EDR. Yeah, you know you can take a Sportster, you can turn it into a woods bike like you did, you can turn it into a hooligan race bike, uh, you can turn it into a drag race bike, you can turn it into choppers. Mm-hmm. Do that with a street glide. <laughs> okay. All right. So the greatest That's Harley a pretty good argument. Yeah. So the greatest Harley ever is a sports model, my page. My my, you know, worthless two sets. I mean, I like girls. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. It's a girls' bike. Yeah. Uh, so, but you know, of course, I got to go over the top. So I talked a bunch of trash in the beginning, saying, "Look, you guys want to see a real performance Harley Davidson? It's Sportster. We buy this 883. You'll have to watch the video. It is." So painfully slow at the drag strip. Oh, you raced at bone stock? Oh, yeah. I had to have, a, like, a starting point. We took it to the dyno, then I took it to the racetrack and got embarrassed. <laughs> oh, like, good. I mean, good. embarrassed a lot. Yeah. So then episode two, you'll see what we're doing to it, and I put a significant amount of nitrous on it. <laughs> and I'll just say you'll have to have to watch episode three. It doesn't quite pan out the way I thought, let's say. There's some shit happens. So, so you're doing, like, seasons, huh? Yeah, so we're and doing, I guess you haven't filmed the whole season like, like yeah. most shows would do. Film we the we whole kind season. of do, yes, we kind of do, but we we ran into some difficulties <laughs> that will be documented in the series. I don't want to give too much away. We should have had it all done by okay. now, right? But like, look, man, when you put that much, like what I said, and I did what I said in the first episode. I said I'm going to put enough nitrous on this bike to euthanize a small town. I actually put enough nitrous on that bike to euthanize one sportster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So you have to see what happens. In okay. Upper, yeah. But yeah, that's season two. And I have some ideas. If, uh, you know, we'll have production meetings. And I, uh, hopefully there'll be a season. Look, if you guys watch the videos it's, and like them, we'll do season three for sure. Yeah. And I have some... Real good ideas. Maybe we should. Maybe I should float them. I should crowdsource. Oh, see, them. I was going to ask you, like, yeah. what? I want to hear the ideas that have gotten shot down. These, you know what? They've been really good about not shooting me down. When I told them I was like, you know what? I want to build. I want to build a sportster and just put a crap load of nitrous on it. They're like, okay. I was like, do you want to give that bike away? They're like, no. But we want you to build it. <laughs> So, but my other idea is I want to... Um, I mean, I think the crazier the idea, though, I mean... Yeah, I have an idea You're about, in a great position right now. Okay, yeah. Sorry, go tell me your idea. I want to do, like, an adventure bagger, because adventure things, all the rage, rage right now, obviously we got Pan Americans, but I want to do, like, an adventure-style bagger and then, like, ride one of the BDR routes, like, on this bagger. See, that, I think that that's a good idea. So there's a guy, and I think he's... Uh, Joe Sparrow knows him. He told me about it. <laughs> Around the World Doug... Yeah. Didn't he do... Ultra Classic with a sidecar, Trans-American Trail. There you go. So I'm not breaking new ground here. This, You know, I'll be following No, him. but you can video right. document it. Exactly. He didn't do that. He didn't. So and like, he had a sidecar. That's the fucking trike. It's not even a yeah, really motorcycle do, trip. Right, I'm it not doing a sidecar. Count. No, I'm yeah. not doing a sidecar. Yeah. 
But yeah, so that's an idea. Well, we have a 2019 Milwaukee 8 Softail that this winter I'm going to be doing a stroker crank video on. Like I said, our installs are no joke. We do some pretty technical stuff. I'm going to do a stroker crank. I'm going to do a big bore on it. It'll be a 131. And I thought about doing a methanol turbo on top of the 131 and taking it to the Texas Mile. So that's yeah. an idea. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Yeah, man. Like, your, your track record with ethanol. Yeah, well, with nitrous. I've, nitrous, look, oh, I've nitrous. had some success with nitrous, just not on the Sportster, let's okay. say. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's what comes out of the little shop, man. Me, yeah. and, me and a guy named Steve Luke. You know, Steve is the guy that makes me look, you know, not so stupid. If, he just, if it was raw footage, man, I'd be in trouble. Yeah, well, this is raw audio. Yeah. Was, uh, <laughs> so, Steve makes me look way cooler than I sound on oh, this podcast. Oh, it's good to have that. Yeah. It's no, good. He's to great. Have that. He understands like the technical part of what we're doing. So that's what you got to have, man. You got to have an editor that like, you know, isn't going cross-eyed looking at what you're doing. Yeah, that does understand yeah. everything that's going on. Where you're not yeah. having to like, the difficult, dude. You got to have that piece in there. Like, you can't. And he's yeah, exactly. And he's very good about some stuff. You know, a lot of stuff, especially with installs, we have to shoot. He's one guy with one camera. Yeah. So we have to shoot two and three times. Oh, shit. Because you want like a wide angle and you want like a close up, mm. you know, to be able to edit back and forth. Some oh, of that stuff. You I'm, love that. Yeah, some of that stuff I'm doing a handful of times. But he also knows like, hey, what he's doing, probably not going to want to do it again. So let's set up and get, he'll get it right. You know what I mean? So I don't have to do yeah. the really difficult stuff more than once. But yeah, it's just a, you know, we have a production help out of our Philadelphia team at Komodo, which has been great for us. The Komodo like thing with them buying JP has probably been better for us on the content side because those guys just are so good at making videos. It's been really helpful for us. It's raised our production level for sure. So they were already doing videos. Oh yeah, they have a million subscribers, like 940,000 on their YouTube channel. Um, they brought over uh, uh, Zach and Ari and Spencer. So Zach and Ari were on um, motorcyclists for a long time and they're on Motor Trend TV. Those dudes just crush, man. They do those, those CTXP episodes, among other things. But uh, Zachary and Spencer, man, they, they, they just, so they're, I think their most recent release was about a month ago. And if you haven't seen this, you guys need to watch it. They built the mini bike from Dumb and Dumber. And they went back and rode the actual route in the movie. I heard about this. They did it. And they, like, dressed the part. And those two dudes, like, there was no, like, shenanigans putting it in a van. They did it. They built that bike. They went to Nebraska. And they rode that little mini bike from Nebraska to Aspen, Colorado with two of them. I heard, I didn't know that this was video documented. Yeah, go to uh, Revzilla's YouTube page. Uh, the, the, their, their series is called CTXP. Yeah. And it's on there. And I, I think it has like a million and a half views right now. God damn. Yeah, those guys are, they're, they're, they make fun You gotta stuff. step up your game then. I know, huh? man. Dude, compete with the Dumb and Dumber I, guys. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm like, I'm spraying nitrous on stuff. I mean, it sounds like you, the, the, in, the possibilities are endless, I guess is what I'm getting at. I think so. Yeah, as long as you know we, you know we're technical guys. We like to show the build part of it, and but there's got like I think the key is like there's got to be like a goal at the end of it. Like yeah, you Absolutely. built it. Like go do something with it. There you go. Yeah. I mean the BDR, the Colorado BDR in a bagger. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I have a. I'll tell you. I'm, you guys will have to wait and see it. I have a name for. All. I don't want to waste my name. I don't want to put the name out in the airwaves yet. But like a name for what. This I, the bagger. Oh, the bagger. The bagger project. I have a name. Oh, you already have a name. I have a name. It's good. Too. I was listening to somebody the other day. One of the People's Champ videos, I think. Yeah. And the guy was like, "I have to name my bikes ahead of time so I know what I'm building." 
<laughs> Whoa. I guess, but, yeah, that's an approach. I mean, yeah. I, like, I was talking to Darren McKegg about this the other day. I was so frustrating to me to watch him paint something. Yeah. Because I can't do that. Like, I can't, like, mechanically, I can. Like, when I build a bike, I can see it in my head, and I can make it look just like what I'm seeing in my head. Mm-hmm. No problem. But he can, like, the artists that can paint stuff and draw stuff, they see something, that image, and they can, like, recreate it in their art. Like, I cannot do that. I can actually make it. I can make the motorcycle look like it, but, like, I can't. You can't draw a picture oh, of that motorcycle? Man, not even. So there's no sketchboards that go into... No, I've seen Roland Sands do that, and it's super irritating, that son yeah. of a bitch. Like, he draws this perfect, like, rendering. He draws it? Yeah, have you ever seen that? He has, like, a... Unless they're pulled a wool mask. Like he's, I've seen. I've seen him, I just didn't know that he was drawing. No, I've seen him draw him out, and then he makes him look like the drawing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, come they're, on, man. They're fucking next level. Over I know. There, I know. Dude. They are fucking. You guys got it going on. Level. Yeah, I can't draw, but I well, can. I'm gonna start thinking of video ideas for you. Concept. I would love it. You know, if I come up with something like really good, I would love. I it. think you're onto something with the bagger. It's all right. Yeah. Uh, adventure bike. You know, Joe was telling me he was gonna build one out of a fucking BMW. Uh, it's, I don't know how he's gonna do that. I can see the bagger being one. Obviously, Doug already did it. He did, but I won't do it with a sidecar. And we'll pick. You know, Wyoming is. But he didn't do much to it. No, he I put see the bike. He yeah. put duros on it. Well, he put a. The smart thing was he put an ATV winch on the front and an ATV winch on the back. No, he didn't. Are you sure? Yeah. Oh, he I thought put he did. A fucking one ATV. One winch that he could move, oh, he could from, move front from front to the back. back. Yeah, smart, smart guy. Yeah, and he used it like uh, where was it? Colorado, Utah area. Yeah, rainy. He just had to go from fence post to fence post, dragging that thing through the fucking mud. Oh my god! Yeah, I went and saw it in Alabama a couple years ago. It was an Evo bagger, right? Yeah, yeah. that's super impressive. Yeah, it was real impressive. Yeah, he's guy. got a Sportster. He's ridden in every country that ends in Stan. <laughs> Apparently, uh, the old KTM front ends that say white power on them. Wow. They just bolt right out. Now they're WP front ends. Oh, yeah. I never put that together. <laughs> <laughs> they used to say white power. That's I've funny. been looking for one ever since. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say uh, check the south. Uh, you know, he, like now he's doing, what is he doing now? Oh, you heard about what he did last uh, when he invaded... Germany again? No. So for the 75th anniversary of the Normandy yeah. D-Day invasion, him and four other dudes built, you know, what do you call them? Time. Uh, they built the fucking war flatheads. Oh, but flatheads. Time specific. What I Oh, uh, period correct. Period yeah. correct. Yeah. With the fucking guns and everything wow. on them. No Went way. to the anniversary ceremony, talked to dudes that rode those same That's bikes. That's crazy. And then they invaded Germany again. That's great. On the flatheads. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's, that's really awesome. fucking way awesome, dude. That guy, that guy have you never met awesome. Doug? I don't think I have. Oh, you got me, Doug. I just, I randomly years ago found that story of him on that on that bagger, and we, then and then he rode his panhead from Alabama to Alabama. Yeah, I started. I brought up to Joe Sparrow one time, and he goes, "Oh yeah, that's uh, around the world, Doug." Yeah. And then he started telling me the stories. Yeah. And then the 52 chief from Alabama mm-hmm. to Alabama. Wasn't there a, there was a dude, I don't think it was him. I remember uh, a guy in an R1 wrote an R1 around the world. A Yamaha R1 sport bike. That. Yeah. But yeah. Sport bike and R1 around the world. Yeah, that, there's like, it, it's out there. There's pictures of it, like, you know, like in a canoe crossing water. And like, he's got, 
He's got like I think Continental sponsored him, so there's like you know knobby tires on it and stuff, and it's wild. Like worst bike. Like recently? Pick. No, this was probably ten years ago. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, the the Overlander bagger idea, but I'm gonna go like over the top too. I'm gonna have like a camp stove that's on the sissy bar, you know, like. Like just hanging off the back. Yeah, it'll be like a flip down. So like I'm put on the sissy bar, but then I can flip it down and then flip it up and like cook food around the like back. Like double as a table. Yeah. Uh, this is gonna be you know, it's gonna be dialed in, man. <laughs> oh, dude! If you need a cameraman for it's that, it's a bagger. Yeah, if we need a cameraman for that. I probably need to me. I probably need a guy to pull me out of the mud, man. Yeah, <laughs> like, don't call me for that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't think Colorado is going to be the move for the bagger. Well, actually, so I was thinking, and we were talking about this earlier. So, I think every year for the last ten years, uh, the guys at the BDR back on the discovery route, they release a new route every year. Okay. So I think this year was the 10th, 10th anniversary, and they made a really cool film. They made, like, a long documentary about, like... Their really? Story. Yeah. It's out there, and it basically... It starts with how they started backcountry discovery routes, and then them finding new routes. And how they, it's, it's a lot of work what those guys do. Fuck, but, yeah, it is. So next year is Wyoming. There's going to be a Wyoming BDR. So kind of what I got rolling around in my head is build this bagger. Wyoming's right there. Well, I mean, me and you are sitting 30 miles from Wyoming. Mm-hmm. So then maybe go hit Wyoming BDR on this. Dude, I gotta watch the documentary. Are they gonna do it east to west? Or is it like they vertical? Haven't, or they like haven't said anything about the Wyoming one. Hmm. Um, the documentary covers all the ones they have to this point. Have you done any of the other ones? I've just been on the Colorado one. Okay. Yep. I think that's now my new goal with this bike. That'd be a great goal. Is to do all the BDRs. Right. And they're all in the rest of the west except for one, the one over on the east coast. Yeah, the New England one. Yeah. It's because there's like, it's difficult, I would imagine, once you get east of where we're at right now, because there's not public land in the Midwest and east. Yeah. We're out here, there's a lot of public land. But mm-hmm. I mean. Have you met those guys? Do you know any of them? No, no, just from what I've like read and watched and stuff. And I, you know, I pay attention to, because I, I, I like the BDR stuff, you know? Yeah. And especially since it's, I'm pretty sure it's a, it's a nonprofit. I don't know if it's a 501c3 or what, but it's a nonprofit, I'm pretty sure. And yeah, I mean, they, they do a, that's a ton of work, man. Put that stuff together. Yeah, I met one of the guys at fucking IMS like five years yeah. ago. And it's always just been in my head, BDR. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, dude. Yeah, they have that, like, you know, if you go on their website, it shows you like the route on there, but like the paper map is the way by the map, the Butler backcountry discovery route. Well, you can also just do the GPS thing. The GPS, yeah. I like I liked the map because like we were talking about earlier, there's so many little... I little, have fun not doing yeah. the map. But supposedly the GPS is really dialed in specifically. I bet. We're like, hey, there's a water crossing. This is a deep water crossing. Yeah, that would be on. very helpful. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I rode with one of the guys for a minute who had the GPS. He had the paper map and the GPS. And uh, he sold me on it. I mean, fuck, I was talking to him. We had the cardo go. Okay, his helmet had music, GPS, and Danger Dan. Wow. Live, in wow. person. That's a lot to process. I know, dude. I don't know how he was keeping it up. Uh, Kept himself busy. I listen to music. Do you listen to music a lot when you ride off-road? Now I do. I, if I'm on and off. And I, if I'm if a little worried about side-by-side traffic out here, so i got to kind of hear. Yeah. But I do listen to music off-road. I, it, I did that this year. It keeps me from really getting after it. It's opposite for me. Really? Yeah. Maybe I should change what I'm listening to. Change what you're listening yeah, to? Yeah, because like... I mean, I just start... Like, I'm, instead of like, 
all right, I got to get through. Like, I, you know, my natural tendency is to just, like, get it done. Yeah. Actually, I was, I, you know, when you're writing, maybe I'll throw, you kind of hit a rhythm, right? Like, you get into these. Today, I didn't feel like good. I kept, I kept feeling like I was losing my front end, and I didn't really feel like I kind of, like, hit the groove. But there are days, you know, when you ride off-road, and you just feel like everything just flows, and it feels great. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's just hilarious. I was telling Steve this the other day, because my, you know, my cameraman, Steve, he also is a face-melting guitarist, like, no joke, plays in a metal band, is like, I mean, melt your face off with the guitar. Damn. Yeah. And so, like, we were talking about that, and I'm like, dude, you know who my favorite song to ride to is here lately? Especially when I hit a rhythm? It's Copacabana. Barry Manilow. Because <laughs> you just, Copa, Copacabana. <laughs> you know, it's flying along. How, does, like, how did that make it to your helmet? I don't know. For you to find out. That that was your favorite song. Uh, I don't know. I have like. What are you listening? I, I over, like how I overused the Shazam app on my phone. Oh, I don't know what that the is. The Shazam app is the one where like if you hear a song playing, if you're watching a movie or something, yeah. and a song plays, you tap the app and it'll tell you what the song is. Hmm. And so a lot of times I end up, you know, automatically put it into my like Apple Music from Shazam. Oh, really? So that's probably how it ended up there. I probably was like, I know that song. What is that? And I Shazammed it, and it just ends up in my music. Because hmm. it wouldn't have been something that I would have sought out. Yeah. But now that it's in there, I love it when it comes on. So that's one thing I love about Spotify. And I was talking to this guy about this recently. Or just any of those radio apps that yeah. generate songs off of what you've liked or whatever. Yeah. But it'll play a song like, I would never go through and pick out cross-Canadian ragweed, mm. Brooklyn Kid. Right. But then when I'm on the trail and that song comes on, I'm like, fuck, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah, mine is, I have real schizophrenic music. So like I said, it'll be Barry Manilow. It'll be like Pantera Walk. It'll be Coulter Wall. Oh, wow. Uh, like Too Short. It just, yeah. Mine so, was, I was doing Jerry Jeff Walker Radio and David Allen Co. Radio. That's nice. On the Run was like my favorite one to do. Fuck yeah. Living on the Run. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I I think I started doing that when I would take like longer trips, just to kind of like you know keep you on your toes, have something mm-hmm. come in there. But now, yeah, it looks like it's like there's like five people that live in my iTunes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that I uh, I'm sold on it. Now I've never been able to listen to music any other time I put a speaker in my helmet because the wind noise. Yeah, well, yeah, we were talking about that. Yeah, full faces are better for listening to music. But going, you know, I'm going 15, 20, 30, 40 miles an hour on the dirt. Yeah. And it's, I can hear that shit. You can hear it great, as opposed to 75 with a three-quarter helmet just blasting. Yeah, I tried that once. I I pulled that one out immediately. I did it with uh, my Simpson helmet that I was wearing today, and my Biltwell helmet. Yeah. But on the chopper, I can't hear shit, and I hate wearing that full face. I don't even like the full face. I just got so used to full faces, now it feels weird to not wear one. Really? Yeah. The face is exposed. It's like, yeah, it's just weird. Like, I feel like my, something's going to hit me in the face and knock it. Like today, when your tire almost ripped my face off. Um. <laughs> well, are you changing it? <laughs> yeah. I wish I had a full hey, get face your on. full face on. We're changing the tire. Yeah. Did you ever see... So Icon did a graphic a number of years ago, and so it was a white helmet... And it had, it was split all over the place by dotted lines into regions on the helmet. And what those were, that was statistically where you land in accidents. So they had, and then inside each one of those regions, they had the percentage. You know what the highest two percentage places are you land when you get in a motorcycle accident? To your forehead. Right here. 
Oh, your face? On your face on each side. They were the highest two. Huh. So it was like, you know, there's some on the back of the head and side, but like this area, which makes sense because more than likely you're going forward. You know, if you're going over the bars or something, you're going to probably land on your face. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but that but also... Those people weren't skaters. No, definitely not. Yeah. They don't learn how to tuck and roll. I mean, look at me. Like, Does it look like I've ever been hit in the face? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I just got used to full faces, and that's just what I wear. Oh, man. Yeah. I like the, the communication aspect. Yeah, that's a good point with you. You know, just yeah. like, whether it's visually, but audio as well, like... But that was also what I liked about having the, the Cardo setup mm. was, like, even when me and Randall would stop... You know, like normally with a full face on, you're yelling through it for them to hear you yeah. or just talking and he could hear me right there. At the, or at the gas pump. He's over yeah. that. Like he's inside. Like or he's this helmet yep. sitting next to him and I could hear him talking. Like yep. it was, dude, that new one I got fucking works good. And I was telling you, the, the music just like goes down in volume and you can yeah. hear him talk and then the music goes back out. I've had a couple, and I need to put another one on my helmet, but like even with like passing stuff. So if you're the first guy through and you can't really see, you can tell the guy behind you, like, yeah, it's clear, go. Yeah. Yeah, stuff like that. It's yeah. just extremely helpful. Hey, watch yeah. out. There's a side-by-side around that turn. Yeah, you're yeah. S- <laughs> slow down. <laughs> slow down. Yeah. No, the communicators, man, and they've gotten so so good over the past years. Yeah. The mic, I mean, I got to figure out how to record that shit. So I have a new... Uh, uh, Senna that I haven't put on yet, and I know it's pronounced two ways. Brandon Wise from Revzilla, he just went through this. Is Senna or Cena? I don't know. Brandon probably. We know what you're talking about. Uh, So they had a 10C Pro. They have a new version now, but on the 10C Pro, it it had a camera in it. Mm -hmm. So when it recorded, it would also record the audio Mm -hmm. in your helmet. We we use that in a couple videos. With the person next to you? I don't know. I never did that. I was only. Yeah, I want to be able to. So I used to be able to. I have a GoPro. Yep. I could link my GoPro and my Cardo mm-hmm. up to an app on my phone. Yep. And when I press record on my GoPro, it records everything yeah. together. Um, so there's got to be a way. I mean, it's like those I'm fucking, sure you know, yeah. what's the TV show with old Norman, Ride? You know, they do oh, it yeah, there. Yeah. They do it some way, yeah. Uh, I'm sure there's a way that I can come out of one. I'm sure there's a YouTube video somewhere explaining how to... Hook that audio up. I like it for the music, though. Yeah. I, already, I just figured it out now that I'm thinking about it. I just figured it out. <laughs> Done, son. Done! That's cool. Uh, well, sweet, man. Well, let's, uh, let's go get some food. Thanks for letting me invade Sturgis. Thanks for letting everybody invade Sturgis. You yeah. got any things you want to leave the, the uh, non-Sturgis goers with? No, I mean, honestly, and this, I, I joke around about this all the time, but I'm also very, very serious. If you really want to come out to the Black Hills and ride your motorcycle and experience what really the Black Hills have to offer, don't come to Rally. Come out in, like, basically June to, like, September, because everything's going to be open. This is a very touristy area. That's the other thing. Like, people just think about the motorcycle rally here. It's a super touristy area because it's so – all the outdoor stuff – is, is here. We got we Mount Rushmore. Rushmore. Crazy I mean, horse. We got the Sturgis Motorcycle Tower. Museum. Like, there's all kinds of stuff to do. So, like, you don't have, if you want to come experience the Black Hills, you don't have to come to Rally. You can come other types of the year. Now, if you want to get, you know, Buck Wild and Buck Wild Chipmates, pay $7 for a beer, come to Rally. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way you sell it. Yeah, otherwise, no. Come on out here and 
you know, put dirt tires on something and come out here. Look me up. We'll go for a ride. How can they find your videos? What's the easiest way to do that? Uh, JP Cycles YouTube. That's it. Yep. Uh, we also put them up every Wednesday on Instagram. Whatever was on YouTube the week before is on, is on Instagram on Wednesday. Badass. Yep. Thank you. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. I did not even mention the fact that Patrick fucking helped me put a tire on my bike. Dude, yeah, because while we were out riding around, I mean, maybe I fucking talked about this on the podcast with him, but I got a flat. Dude, thank you, Patrick, for, you know, making that happen. I, uh, you know, obviously there's many a ways to get your tire fixed in Sturgis, but he's got a badass fucking shop and, you know, he helped me get that straightened out, and I do appreciate that. I'm really glad that your fucking camera guy wasn't there, like, fucking documenting it. Even though it was funny, because these new rims on the Pan America, they have, they're huge. They're fucking huge. And you have to have, like, you know, specialty tools for your tire machine to hold the motherfucking rims. And we didn't have those, so that thing was jumping off, dude. It almost got the both of us, uh... It was kind of funny, but we did make it happen. Pretty much ended up doing it by hand and using the machine to kind of hold it. Um, but we got it on there, dude, and it's still on there, and it actually could be replaced again pretty quick. But thank you, Patrick, for making that happen. Um, after I left, I went back to my campground. Actually, what did I do? No, I didn't go to the campground. I went and watch Ethan win some races at the, uh, the fucking, oh my God, the Jack Pine Gypsies circle track. And it was rad as fuck. And, uh, and then Seabear, fuck, Seabear <laughs> is such a badass. And I'm going to be honest, like, I, I, you know, I've had many interactions with him. Super nice dude. And, uh, I'm like literally intimidated by the, I mean, he is like the sweetest dude ever. And Ethan's like, oh, you got to do a podcast with him. Like, I know. And I, like, have yet to ask him to, to do a podcast. I don't know what it is, but he's, like, one of the few people where I'm like, I don't know. Just, he just gets me, dude. Uh, I can't even believe I'm saying this on the podcast right now. Anyways, I will at some point do a podcast with Seabird. But he was out there doing tricks on the fucking dirt, wheelies. Fucking burnouts, hitting jumps. Dude, they had a jumps in the middle of the track. It was sick. Anyways, after that, I went back to the campground. And I, the whole week I was there, or the few days I was there, I was camping next to my buddy Wes from Texas, tattoo artist, that comes up to Sturgis, does tattoos, kills it during the week, camps out at the Bulldog Creek campground. And, uh, you know, it's fucking, you know, normally I see him every night when he gets done working. But I hadn't seen him the whole time I was there. And I show back up at the campground. Fucking Wes is finally there. Then last night, I'm going to be there. And I tell Wes. Or Wes starts telling me some crazy fucking story. And I'm like, dude, zip it. I'm going back to the campsite. And I'm going to pull out the microphones. And we're going to have this conversation on some microphones. I'll, I want to hear about your Sturgis experience. I'm going to tell you about mine. Because I'm fucking leaving in the morning. And that's exactly what we did. And it was one of my favorite, favorite podcasts with Wes, you know. And last one with Wes was fucking awesome. He's just, dude, he's such a great dude. And it was awesome to, like, 
sit down, do a podcast with Patrick, then show up at the campground, do one with Wes. I mean, maybe that wasn't the same night as the racing. Fuck, whatever. Anyways, what I'm saying is later this week, I got a podcast with Wes coming out. You're going to enjoy it. And then... Uh, What do I got after that? Oh, then I got a podcast with Arnie Wells out of Idaho Falls. I got a podcast with Greg, the owner of Idaho Falls, uh, Harley Davidson dealership. Then I got a podcast with, fuck, what's his name? God damn it. Greg, Craig, shit. The guy that owns Legends Motorcycle Museum. So got some more rad, rad podcasts on the way out. Um, I'm going to be headed back to Texas soon. I'm going to go record a podcast with Billy. And uh, anyhow, go to DangerDanceTalkShop.com. Oh, my gosh. All right, I'm going to record a little fucking MC Shop Tea promotion to put in in the beginning of this podcast. Go to MCShopTees.com. Thank you. (laughs) 